Daredevil lends itself to moments where like that, where you're just like, oh shit. Like the Frank yeah. Miller run where the 10 dudes fight Kingpin at once just to like be his workout for the day. Yeah. That's a great moment. One of my favorite parts of the Frank Miller run is when those people follow Electra into an alleyway and she kills them oh. all and writes, I love New York in their blood. <laughs> And we are live with another episode of the Keeg Talks, but the Keeg Talks comics, because the writers and the actors are out there striking. We're not, the Keeg's not talking movies and TV. The Keeg is talking comics. We are talking Daredevil. The Keeg Talks Daredevil today. I'm your host, Demetri Pereira. And if you're watching us live, you're watching us on twitch.tv slash the Keeg Show or youtube.com slash the Keeg Show. Or you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're listening to the podcast and you can't see the guests, then let me introduce them. First up, we got Maggie, aka Vegan Superkick. Maggie, Hi. what's up? Not a lot. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, normally, I have you on Comic Talk, and you're talking comics, and you're always talking about Daredevil. So I, I won't shut up about Daredevil. <laughs> now it's just an episode dedicated to Daredevil. So are you are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Are you are you ready? I think I'm ready. Yeah, I okay. think I've think I've timed out my speech for a good two hours. We're ready. <laughs> okay, because in this episode, I mean, I want to talk about everything Daredevil. I want to talk about Matt Murdock himself, but then I want to talk about his friends. I want to talk about his family, his foes, uh, storylines that you guys love, storylines that you guys hate, writers and artists, and recommended reading to anyone out there who is looking to get into Daredevil. Um, we're going to talk about his history and all that stuff and see what we could do in 10 or 10 hours in 10 hours uh, in two <laughs> hours is what I meant. Two hours. Don't get your, don't get your hopes up, Maggie. Um, okay. all right. Two I'll, hours I'll, is all we got. I'll, I'll toss some pages away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's not just, it's not just uh, uh, Maggie and I, we also got the long awaited return of Brian Long himself, Cat and Comic Rex. What's up, Brian? Hey, very excited uh, on this Batman day to be discussing Red Batman. Really looking I, forward to this. I very happy to be. I didn't think about all that. I don't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, tr truth be told, I feel like as a longtime comic fan, I like I lose track of like the special days, like free comic book day. I'm like, I'll deal with it when I get to it. You know, I don't remember when it is. It'll come around. Because I've lived literally every free comic book day. The first free comic book day was when the first Spider-Man movie came out. Yes, uh, we have been blessed to have uh, gone through it all. We've, we've lived through every free comic book day that there has been. Though yeah. with Batman Day, I kind of feel about Batman Day the way some people feel about Valentine's Day, where it feels like it was a corporate invention and this isn't a real day that has any significance. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird about it like that. 
but it's not like the whole all of like the country goes out and like buys Batman themed chocolates and like proposes Maybe we should though proposes Maybe we their should. love upside down, swinging from a gargoyle. You know, yeah, avoids taking them to the movies for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> the movie industry tanks on Batman. Day, <laughs> the movie like, on that one day, like yeah, nah, it's probably not Cinemark closes day. on Batman Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of respect for the Waynes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's funny. Yeah, Batman, Red Batman, gargoyles. Dar- Daredevil hangs out with a lot of gargoyles. He might be in my. Oh, he is in my background. Yeah, yeah. gargoyle like right there. Yeah. Um, and so I mean that that kind of happens if you hang out with gargoyles. You're essentially that's half of what Batman is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do Do you guys like Daredevil better than Batman? Yeah. Wow. Interesting question. <laughs> the Maggie, Maggie, already said, goes, Maggie yeah. says automatically yes. <laughs> Brian needs more time you... to think about it. <laughs> Why don't you start with your take on that? I I just do. I don't know. Like I <laughs> I you know, I I don't really have like an immediate reason for it. I just know that I do. I like I like Batman. I tolerate Batman. Dimitri knows this about me. I tolerate most men in the dc universe um <laughs> and in life and in life 100 <laughs> but yeah i don't know there's i think there's something about matt's heart to me and i don't know we'll get into that later but like he's he feels a little bit more aware of his surroundings than bruce wayne sometimes does you know what i mean but i like batman happy batman day you know yeah um, sure, I, I feel like you saying the editorial demands Batman's perfection, whereas Marvel's mm-hmm. editorial mm-hmm. doesn't demand Matt Murdock's perfection because Matt yeah. Murdock, aka Daredevil, is not a flagship character for Marvel. Yeah, and... you saying that, Maggie, makes me think like. Sorry, uh, you made... give me one sec. I don't know what happened to my speaker. Sorry, one sec. Are you there? Yeah, we can yeah. still hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. You guys can hear me, but then I couldn't hear you. And then I was like, okay. Uh, sorry. Maggie, Brian. your comment about him being more aware, I almost, I, I had a thought where I was like, is, I feel like Daredevil is the working man's Batman, right? Because yeah. Batman exists in a space of privilege. But because Daredevil, as you were saying, Dimitri, is never held up as a flagship character in the same way Batman is by DC or even Spider-Man is by Marvel, there is a level of creative freedom that I think a lot of writers and artists are given when they uh, come onto that book. And Chip Zdarsky, uh, in his newsletter that he put out just at the end of his recent Daredevil run, basically said so much word for word. And even though Batman has certainly been in many more comics than Daredevil, uh, I think Daredevil has had more consistently high quality comics from run to run than, than Batman has. Is that just because Batman has like 12 comics a month? I mean, I think that's certainly a factor, but I I almost feel like starting from like the 1980s, you have almost a consistent through line of like two to three decades of just excellent Daredevil comics with some like maybe like spots in the middle where things get a little wonky. But I don't think you can say the same thing for Batman. I don't think there are like decades long runs where you're like, these Batman comics are consistently always great. You get like really great bright spots. 
But I feel like Daredevil has, throughout my lifetime, pretty consistently been a solid comic that is important to the Marvel Universe, whether people are aware of it or not. I think it might and by Marvel also... Universe, I mean the company itself and its creative uh, reputation. Right. I mean, I I, I do chalk it up a lot to Batman. Like Daredevil, all, never has more than one title on at a time. Mm-hmm. Really, never does. Right. Like, I'm trying to think of yeah, if I can't think ever of... a moment. Did Elektra have a Daredevil comic at the same time as Daredevil? With like yeah with chip but it was like a it was like three issues or something right it was uh, really short yeah they were just like series they've done with her but never like a full-blown ongoing as far as i can remember yeah yeah um i yeah you guys have any more thoughts about that i'm trying to think of like <laughs> you say working man do you like i know a lawyer is a job right but when I think working man, I think like blue collar. So like, but he is a lawyer in his in his sure. like, real life, you know. But he also was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. No. And when I say yeah. working man, I mean like, yes, he is a lawyer, but he is also a person who has had to work for everything that he has harder than most because of his disability. And... Well, and you got to think too. Even if he's a lawyer, you have to look at the kind of people that he's representing and yes. and trying to help too. Yes, like that's exactly. the working man. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's very for the people, and like mm-hmm. a, a lot of what happens. Um, I don't know whether it happened in like past Daredevil comics, but like in Daredevil media in the past like fifteen years, let's just say they do focus a lot on there are lawyers in their ivory towers, yes. right? And then they showcase that versus Matt who's on the ground yeah and that's been like a big theme in the last what 15 20 years did brian michael bendis deal with that in his run i don't know i don't think i read his run to be completely honest with you i haven't either well i've read like bits and pieces yeah i don't think there's ever been a portrayal of daredevil where he was a where where like nelson and murdoch or any um attorney uh uh office that he worked for was like a high powered attorney's office they've always kind of been portrayed as like barely hanging on but because they are running it more as i don't want to say a charity that's not a right word but they often work uh is it pre bono bono or pro bono that's the word yeah they're they're not expecting uh clients who have millions and millions of dollars or people to pay them up front they're working for people who are at the end of their rope and the system is not going to do anything to help them, so they step in to help those people in need. You you brought up Foggy, and I want to talk about Foggy because he is... Uh, so, me personally, I love superhero teams mm-hmm. more than solo superheroes, though, when it comes to DC, I like DC's solo heroes better than Marvel's solo heroes. Um, mm-hmm. And it mostly comes down to a solo hero needs a good supporting cast. And for me, a good Superman story does involve the Daily Planet and Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. And if you invent a family for him, give him a family, that's the supporting cast as well. Batman supporting cast is sometimes treated not like a supporting cast. And so then Batman kind of can either, you know, sink or swim, depending on how you're treating a supporting cast. But like, Daredevil being a solo hero 
has a very strong supporting cast in his best runs. I feel like they're they're <laughs> if you have it like when he has a good strong supporting cast, his runs are better. Mm. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah, I agree for sure. I feel that, uh, yeah, 100%, especially because when you look at something like the Mark Wade run, for example, I think the story in that one that has the most impact is the whole saga of uh, Foggy realizing he has cancer and the the arc that him and Matt go on together as friends. Um, you know, part of what I think makes that such a good supporting cast is you can dramatically give them very interesting things to do. Um, since Foggy is also a lawyer, there's like great stories and conflict and drama you can get out of that. And Karen being part of that uh, ecosystem too is so crucial. Um, it it creates a situation where you can't just push those characters to the side. I think what you were talking about, Dimitri, where like you got to have a good supporting cast. I think sometimes writers forget about the characters who don't have the superpowers. And when you have characters like Foggy or Karen who can get more involved in the law side of things, you can give them good dramatic conflicts that don't have to involve capes and tights and punching people. Right. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is like a lot of times I can't think of off the top of my head, like another hero who has, I mean, like maybe Superman and like Jimmy Olsen, but like another hero who has friends that like are not super powered people, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and they're just as important to his story as batman and robin or like you know anything like that but i think spider-man when he's written right yeah because like i love spider-man but a lot of the time like writers will focus just on spider-man and his like his his life will be like just like an obstacle that he has to get over as opposed to yeah. another <laughs> one of it another one of his responsibilities right it's not just right you know it's like oh great i got an ant okay <laughs> like i'm out swinging and like, no, it's like, okay, but what about his love of his Aunt May? You know, I think that's yeah. super important. Um, but like good writers will write a strong supporting cast for Spider-Man. Like back when Harry Osborn, MJ and Gwen Stacy were all part of his supporting cast. Like Peter Parker has a lot of characters that were part of his supporting cast and it made them better back then. Mm. Matt always has Foggy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even when he's much. not around, Foggy is like a huge motivator for him. You know what I mean? Like what? Like what do you mean? Like even when you don't see him, even if he's off doing his own thing, like Matt's always got at least Foggy's best interests in mind. Whenever he's yeah. doing whatever he's doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Foggy is such a symbol of the life that Matt. I think to a degree wishes he could have if he didn't also have the uh, the insane ninja abilities that he <laughs> contains as Daredevil, right? I think there's an aspect of Foggy that's kind of like what Matt's life would have been or could have been if he hadn't also been burdened with these extraordinary abilities that he feels it is his duty to then use beyond just the confines of the law, right? Yeah. I, I think... That's such a fascinating thing about Matt Murdock is that when you really like look at this character, all of the elements, I think, just deepen what makes him so interesting is that he does try to live his life according to laws, whether they are the laws of the legal system or the laws of Catholicism, right? The religious mm. tenets that he also has committed himself to. Um, but 
he's also somebody who sees for better or worse the way that those laws can be limiting in the pursuit of true justice. And that's when mm-hmm. he says like, oh, okay, I got to manipulate these things and break these things because I have powers beyond just my mind and capabilities as a lawyer. Something that is very specific to Matt is his Catholicism. How much does it matter to you guys, let's just say, as readers? To me, okay, I am not Catholic. (laughs) I am not even really religious. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm a Kentucky girl. I was raised in the Bible (laughs) Belt. And my papa was a Southern Baptist preacher. And when I read a character like Matt having these conversations with God, just in general, about how he should be, what is right and wrong, what is good and bad, it it does remind me of like growing up and being like, hey, man, like if you're out there, why did you do this? Or like, why does this happen? You know what I mean? So as someone who has like a religious background, especially such a strong religious background like that. Uh, I think it is important to me to kind of see somebody struggle. You don't really see a lot of other people in, in comics struggling that hard or having that kind of relationship with faith. And I think it's cool to see, even as someone who is not very religious myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think the yeah, I agree with you 100% Maggie. Um, And I think that what's really great about the way that they use his faith in the comics is it's a way to give a unique perspective on everything that goes on within the Marvel Universe, right? Uh, Yeah, we talked about him being the people's hero. And because the Marvel Universe exists in such an extraordinary world, where you have literal gods that come to Earth and all these other things that happen. Um, it always bothers me when people say, why would Daredevil still be a Catholic if he's like met Thor? And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. In the Marvel Universe, everything happens. <laughs> like if Thor exists and if like Kanshu exists, then Jesus and God, that all must yeah, also right. be real, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly. kind of the beautiful tapestry of Marvel. It's like, no, every religion is correct and it all exists together in this menagerie. Um, yeah. And the fact that he, in the same way that like, you know, for better or worse, Moon Knight is tied to Khonshu. I think Daredevil has that same connection to his own faith. Um, and I just like seeing, I think it is important, Dimitri, to, to kind of definitively answer your question, because I think that sometimes in Marvel especially, so many of those characters are like super genius scientists. And it's nice having somebody who has a different perspective on things uh, mm-hmm. to like look at the universe and share the perspective of somebody who isn't necessarily a brilliant scientist, but has a religious understanding of the world or a faith-based understanding of the world um and also i think it's just nice as someone who was raised catholic and it's kind of a lapsed catholic at this point it's nice to have uh somebody who uses the idea of faith for something that is objectively good mm-hmm. rather than what i think often happens with uh religious belief regardless of what sect of religion you're talking about in our modern society which is often used to perpetuate bigotry and hate right Right. Um, yeah. So I think his understanding of it, his interpretation of it, is a truer version of it because he uses it to help people first and foremost, rather mm-hmm. than to, you know, make someone's life worse. Uh, and yeah. he doesn't think he's better, right? Yeah. Which, which, which you know, um, 
can it happens in real life right if your <laughs> way is the only way then your only way is the better way and thus you're better um yeah. i i equate their uh treatment of him and his catholicism uh cuz i think they they do not <laughs> pun intended i guess demonize you know <laughs> uh uh his catholicism um too many demons in daredevil mythos uh too many if you ask me um but but they treat it a lot like uh kamala khan and her is and her uh religion mm. of islam right like okay. uh except with miss marvel they have to essentially teach american audiences specific things about <laughs> that religion but they do treat yeah. it in the same way in the sense of like hey it's cool guys like both sides <laughs> you know what i mean like they're not right treating either religion badly uh the rights of catholicism and like those specific things confessional and and priests and whatnot i think that's ingrained to american uh if not american culture then american pop culture right mm -hmm. it's like we we all generally know that but not so much what kamala khan has to deal with so i think that's the big difference but for the most part they treat their religion not as a burden right it's not a negative thing it's just part of their characters which i think is yeah nice. yeah um because a lot of characters are to me in comics a lot of them are like like atheists but not like they don't say it out loud but they a lot of them are <laughs> like you know you yeah. and it wouldn't be surprised like if Reed Richards was like, I don't believe in God. It's like, yeah, Reed Richards wouldn't believe in God. That makes no <laughs> right. sense because Reed Richards has is... seen too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or or he his just understanding of it is like we in, in ancient times saw them as gods, but they are extra dimensional beings who are mm -hmm. able to live forever, right? He would have his own scientific logic and reasoning behind it. Um, right. yeah. but it, it all ultimately comes down to somebody's perception of the world, right? Like mm -hmm. right. This is a thing I often think about. Maybe this is getting too heady, but like all of our understandings of the world, even based in science, they're ultimately just like our descriptions and understandings. These are words we created and invented. It's all subjective understanding when you get right down to it. Um, and you can scientifically prove things, but like it's all based on human understanding and human words and human creation and ideas. Um, so all of it at the end of the day rests on interpretation to some degree. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I think that what, what's interesting too, you know, Dimitri, you talk about like it being a part of American culture. Now, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that at the turn of the you know 20th century, when so many Irish and Italian immigrants, especially were first coming to America, you know, those ethnic identities weren't always perceived as white in the same way, even earlier than that in the 1800s. So Daredevil's Catholicism and, and explicitly being from Hell's Kitchen, which was such a strong Irish community, mm. um, that it, it did kind of make him distinct from your waspy Reed Richards types uh, of yeah. the world, right? Or Tony like Stark. Very, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And even though those characters were obviously created by Jewish creators, you know, there's a specific, I think, ethnicity that they were going for with those characters versus say your Ben Grimm's or your Matt Murdock's who clearly have distinct identities that are different from those characters. Yeah. 
was Daredevil Catholic? Was he Catholic from the beginning? <laughs> so uh, the, when, the, when did that happen? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But early, it's never made super explicit, but like you get into the 1970s and you start getting the idea that he's meant to be Catholic and then born again is where it's like, yeah. Oh, this guy is Catholic, Catholic. Like, this is a, a serious part of the whole identity. Um, is it, but I is think, it Frank Miller? Yeah, well, if Frank, I, it's not Frank Miller who invented it, but he's the one who really leans into it. Some of the mm-hmm. 70s Daredevil stuff, there's, like, references to him being, like, an Irish Catholic. Um, yeah. But again, oh. it, it's one of those things, too, where, like, if you were reading that in the 60s and you're like, oh, this is a redheaded guy from Hell's Kitchen. You're going to be like, oh, this is a this is the son of Irish immigrants who's probably Catholic. Like that's going to be yeah. the sort of signifier that tells you exactly what's going on there. Right, right. Um, it just it just like I was thinking about like heroes. I feel like in comic books, again, there's so many layers to it, and obviously it's what editorial wants and whatever. But in this world of Marvel, heroes don't treat religion the way a lot of people in the real world treat religion like heroes aren't going over to other heroes like nobody's trying to convert thor to the <laughs> right. one true to the one true lord and savior you know right like maybe like, you someone know should write that story though that would actually be hilarious could you imagine <laughs> like nobody nobody tells like you know reed richards he is going to hell well they do but they don't say it's because he is whatever he believes in you know yeah yeah <laughs> um but like there are characters like ben Grimm that who are uh written as jewish right like he is jewish right. ben Grimm, and so like that's kind of nice to see but ben you know um doesn't extol any negative virtues like kamala khan matt murdoch which is nice to be not like the real world I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. You don't have any baggage uh, being brought in of prejudices being thrown against them in the same way. Um, right. I would really love to see a story where someone like, where you just have theologians who live in the Marvel universe have to contend with the fact that you actually have proof of gods that truly exists and how that changes people's perceptions. Like, would that erase bigotry or would you start getting like literal power scaling debates uh, in theological spaces where they're like, well, we all know Thor defeated Khonshu in that fight. Ergo, Thor must be stronger than all these pantheon gods or what have you. Thor versus Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so do you guys read X-Men comics? I was just about to say, you have Exodus who continues to claim that Jesus was the first mutant. And every, I feel like every time he says that, everybody's like, okay, guy, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, because you can, as a reader, you can read it as canon that Jesus was a mutant. Or you could read it as Exodus is saying Jesus is a mutant doesn't mean Jesus was a mutant, you know? But like... It's a legend, right? Yeah, because Exodus wasn't around... He, was, he started in the Crusades, right? Right. So he right. wasn't around when Jesus was born. So he wasn't there yes. firsthand to to see. Yes. Um, Although canonically, Thor and Ghost Rider were there when Jesus was born. Do you know about that story? No, the fir- like is a Christmas story. There's a Marvel team up. It's like a Marvel team up issue where like Thor and Ghost Rider time travel. Yeah. And they end up following the star of David and they see the birth of Jesus. I mean, 
it, but it's it's our present day Ghost Rider. Uh, it was uh, uh, who's the first Ghost Rider? Well, there's uh, a lot. Wait, is this a recent book? No, no, no. It's from like the eighties. It's from like the present oh. age, the seventies or eighties. So what are you saying? Who uh, was the the first Ghost Rider? It was Danny, or, uh, I, Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. Yes, it's Johnny Blaze. Okay. Ghost Rider. What I was gonna say is like you know how like there's there like Avengers has set up that like a lot of those mantles have been like mantles throughout uh history, right? So like yes. there have been oh, multiple oh, yes. ghost riders. It would be cool to see a ghost rider on a camel. It would be sick if one of the wise men was a ghost rider. <laughs> Did you oh now I now I now I want to see a ghost rider on a camel because I think that would be so sick. Keep that pitch in your back pocket. You never know when you're gonna get the chance to possibly yeah. <laughs> you know um but like I forget, I forget what we're going for. But like, uh, yeah, I I think like uh, uh, Matt's Catholicism is important to the character, and a lot of stories do come out of it. Um, do you guys have favorite storylines? Oh yeah, <laughs> we already know what mine is. So go ahead, Bran. <laughs> No, Maggie, what is yours? Because I don't think I know. I don't think I've ever heard you specifically talk about that. I feel like that's a joke. I only talk about... (laughs) (laughs) I love Zdarsky's run. It's definitely my favorite. It's pretty Um, great. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty great. Um, I think it's funny that we're doing this the same week that the new run started. I'd like to talk about about that at some point. But the Zdarsky run is definitely my favorite. And as poorly as it probably has aged i think that the frank miller run is super important to the character you know what i mean yeah no 100 percent. so i honestly compared to some other things frank miller has done i don't <laughs> yeah. think it has aged as poorly you know what i mean i think that's really him. sure now that's i'm saying that with a caveat of it's been a minute since i've read it i might go back and be like ugh. <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't think it's any worse than, like, something that was published in the 80s of Marvel and you'd be like, this hasn't, like, particularly aged well, but it's not a disaster. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, yeah. Who ahead, wrote sorry, Welcome Back, back Frank, yeah. by the way? Garth Ennis? The, uh, the like, the, like yeah. pr- the Punisher comic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was I Garth was just, Ennis. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have that, but I I could not tell you ever. I mean, I guess I would know, but I have a ton of Garth Ennis Punisher. But I hate Garth That's Ennis, rough. but I do like Garth Ennis's Punisher. It's like yeah, <laughs> I hate Garth Ennis with a passion, like because oh. the boys, the boy, uh, the this is just a side note. The boys is <laughs> is garbage. It is trash. It is a dumpster fire. The boys comic, not the show. The yeah. show is cool. I like the show. The show does something with it that the comics don't, which is make it smart. The show is still shock value, but it's smart. Uh, Garth Ennis on Boys is, I will actively recommend people away from that comic. I don't blame you. Um, Maggie, I wanted to ask, because I feel like I, I'm starting to remember seeing a TikTok about this. Was was Zadarsky your first time like reading a full-blown daredevil run or was there somebody before this and i'm confusing something that you said no 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 no. zadarsky was for sure like my first modern run mm-hmm. like i i got into daredevil through the tv show and mm. 
then just kind of jumped right into Frank Miller's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there kind of splintered out into like Electra and Punisher and all that stuff like we were talking about. Um, and then I, I just mentioned it enough to where people were like, hey, you should probably read the run that's going on right now. And it got brought up enough to where I was just like, okay, and just immediately fell in love with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, now yeah. is the time. Now that it's over is where I'm kind of like going back and reading like the Wade run and, you know, earlier stuff. Yeah. So, but it is, yeah, it was for sure my first like active read on the character. What is it about it that makes it a definitive run for you? I think... I think that just seeing Matt so boots on the ground, like trying to help people Mm. and also realizing that the system that he so deeply defended was Mm. actually incredibly flawed. And I know that there was a ton of like underlying themes about, you know, like prison reform and like how it does or does not help people and all that stuff. But I think seeing Matt realize the things he had put so much of his faith into were flawed and, and actually harmful mm. and, and trying to fix that. I think that that was probably the reason why it was so important for me again, kind of going back to like his religion and stuff. Cause I feel like that's when he's struggled the most and like, you know, he suffers enough, but like kind of realizing like, Oh, maybe not everything I do by faith in, in good faith is the right choice. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And I I think that our point earlier where we were like, Marvel is not as precious about that character as they are, say Spider-Man. I think what you're Mm -hmm. describing like perfectly illustrates that because you, I don't think you would ever see a, a Spider-Man comic where he is like so deeply, in a state of existentially questioning like every choice he has made or or at least if they did that fans might have such a like strong backlash reaction to that that they would feel like we can't allow a story to to go that direction right yeah i felt like it was a very gritty and like relatable way to show someone showing accountability you know what i mean yeah yeah and realizing you know not every not every choice I've made has been correct. And, and I, I I think I also love about that arc is the way that Matt's story runs parallel to Kingpin's story in that. Yeah. Where he's like practically yeah. a co-lead of that comic up until yeah. Devil's Reign, it feels like. Um, mm. and I think what's cool about his arc is he's similar to Matt, the way you're describing is like he also, when he elevates himself into the world of politics and trying to be a legit player in that space he too has this realization of all of this work that I've done to fight my way to the top of being the kingpin of crime in New York doesn't mean anything to these people who operate within these huge influential political spheres that have so much money and so much power that I'm like now at the bottom of the ladder all over again. I have to fight my way back up. And that was such a times. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. There were times in those in those earlier issues where we saw more of Kingpin where you dude, he almost had you feeling empathy for that character. You know <laughs> right, what I exactly. mean? Like 
yeah, him yeah. at that dinner party. And uh, I can't remember what exactly, they, but they were making the, him feel small. Yes, and, the rich people. I forget yeah, what their yeah, names yeah. were. I can't remember what they were saying or implying or whatever. It was a long time ago. But but yeah, all that leading up to the, the, the scene in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, like, what is this feeling I feel? You know what I mean? And <laughs> on top of that- for Wilson Fisk? <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not supposed to feel this way. But on top of that, you also have this parallel story of what was going on with Electra and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. her realizing as well that her own life had been made up of choices that maybe she had made not considering the the outcome for other people. You know what I mean? Right. Her yeah, yeah. journey into being Daredevil. Um, so, yeah, that was a, it. it's just a very layered run itself yeah i i think it's the one that i out of all of them and i i feel like if you were to be like what's my favorite daredevil run i could give you like five different answers for five very different reasons yeah. <laughs> you know like i i love what are those I, obviously like, okay, so <laughs> obviously the frank miller run for like the obvious reasons of like the way it redefines the character the and the senti run which almost immediately follows the frank miller run and i think it's criminally underrated um, okay. I love that book because it feels almost like a vertigo book at times where it's like very deconstructionist about superheroes and their their thematic place in society and also the way it uh, tells these just like outlandish over the top stories with, with Matt where he's like fighting Ultron with nothing but his billy club or he's <laughs> riding a subway to hell during the Inferno event like Stories that you think post Frank Miller they would never do again, and she manages to still f- have that gritty New York feel while also being over the top and fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Mark Wade run, uh, I think is just like that to me was kind of the run that really made me love Daredevil. Funny enough, um, because I think I obviously read the Frank Miller run because I was like, well, Wizard Magazine always talks about this, so it must be good. And then I read it as a kid. Um, but then I was kind of like, I don't know, Daredevil seems like it's always just so grim and gritty. And then Mark Wade's approach made me love the character so much that it made me go back and read everything else. And I learned to appreciate those other elements and discover things like the Innocenti run that weren't quite what I expected them to be. Um, Let me interject real would, quick. Uh, we what? got Mike Thomas out in YouTube land because uh, we're, we're live <laughs> on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, in YouTube, Mike Thomas says Bendis' run is outstanding. And Mike Thomas yeah. says, I started reading as a kid during the Nascenti run. I just wanted to shout out uh, our chatters out there. Sorry, continue, Brian. So then building on that point, I'd probably then probably say the Brian Michael Bendis run, which I think is just like so expansive and also so important with the Marvel Knights aspect and how it really rejuvenated the company uh, of Marvel at a time when they were literally bankrupt <laughs> and going I, through such difficult times. And I think that character and the, his reinvention within Marvel Knights was so important to their recovery, or at least the way they stayed afloat until they really bounced back. I think Bendis, or I think Marvel owes Bendis everything. <laughs> I, I Not yeah. everything, everything, but like, <laughs> like you take Bendis out of the equation of Marvel and Marvel is not around today. Last thirty years would look radically, radically different if I Bendis yeah. isn't around. Bendis, okay, three three things that I think is 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 huge. Bendis things is Daredevil, Ultimate Spider Man, and New Avengers. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Because the because... Ultimate Universe 
kept Marvel afloat. And it brought right. me in. It like Ultimate Universe brought me into Marvel. It kept Marvel afloat. And then as it was waning, it gets the Miles Morales factor, which I think we're still seeing Marvel benefit from in the form of the movies, in the form of the video games. Like yeah. that's huge for them. Miles um, did this thing where it was like, like you're on the freeway, right? And you're trying to figure out which lane <laughs> is going faster because it goes like this, right? <laughs> and, and like you're driving and you're like, should I change lanes? Should I change lanes? And Miles changed right at that time where this lane just stops completely and he just keeps exactly going, you know exactly yeah yeah and then new avengers i mean that kind of made avengers an a-list book in a way it never fully was like i think it's hard to think about this now in the world where avengers endgame is one of the highest grossing movies of all time but like people didn't really care that much about the avengers, avengers when i was a avengers kid. weren't shit Fuck the Avengers. <laughs> like, I, I I was talking about this on Comic Talk. I was not interested in the Avengers at all. It was a D-list right. team. Like, like people in Mar like people who love Marvel, it was Spider-Man and X-Men, followed by the Hulk Fantastic Four, roughly, right? They all got they all got cartoons. Avengers did, but it was sucky, and then later on it was good. But uh, it was a one-two punch for the Avengers. And Marvel really needed it because it's Avengers being the Justice League of the Marvel Universe needs right. to be lifted up. It's the one-two punch of the Ultimates and New Avengers. And they're both going on at the same time. And Marvel needed both. And then, you know, speaking back to Daredevil, I think his, yeah. his run on Daredevil obviously comes right after the Kevin Smith run, which I think did some of the heavy lifting for this as well. But mm -hmm. I think that imprint of Marvel Knights and that that book specifically really like said no marvel still got a really interesting creative juice in the tank that yeah. people should be paying attention to and i don't think we end up with the daredevil tv show or the popularity of daredevil now without that bendis run to kind of like say hey you know this character still has a lot more in him like it didn't peak with frank miller and more could be done here what year was the bendis run <sighs> i think it was like early very early 2000s right Brian, it wasn't before the movie right. Was it before the movie? Yes, it was before movie? the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it had That's to what be. Because I, I, like, I, I feel like there's a character, there's like a random dude named Bendis in that movie. <laughs> that movie has so many people <laughs> named after like comic creators to the point where it's distracting. Was yeah. it Kevin Smith's character that was named? Kevin Smith's character, Kevin Smith is in it. But like yeah. at the start of the movie... There's like, this was crazy that they did this. At the start of the movie, there's like a serial rapist whose name is Joe Casada, who he like hunts down. I'm like, I can't believe Casada signed off on this. He's like, yeah, this is fine. All right. <laughs> but they put so many like Easter egg names in that to the point where it's distracting. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like Actually, how every street in Gotham is named after a Batman writer. Yeah. <laughs> I found out today, I didn't know that Kevin Smith had written any Daredevil. I almost said Batman. Um, <laughs> Red Batman. <laughs> Red Batman. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that until literally like a couple hours ago. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not going to ask how old you are, but I think I might be older than you. So <laughs> I'm going to ask that question. But I, I think, remember. I feel like we're all around the same age. Are we? As okay. in we're all um, we're all timeless. Yeah, look at us. Yeah, look Very at kind us. of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, he officially took over Daredevil in 2001. Um, he, But you know what it was, Maggie? He didn't write it for very long. 
And I don't uh, yeah. think it's aged super well. Or, gotcha. or it has not been, it's been kind of overshadowed by all the great Daredevil stuff that came after it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I feel like Kevin Smith's run was one of those, again, Wizard Magazine ones that they talked about all the time in Wizard Magazine. And yeah. they were like, we love this, we love this. But he also was bad at getting scripts done on time. <laughs> it was famously like very delayed and then they gave him like a daredevil bullseye miniseries that i think one issue of came out and it's never been finished oh my I gosh mean, you remember wolverine black cat <laughs> wasn't that a thing didn't he spider-man like, black cat spider-man yeah. black cat okay yeah he at least got two or three issues out of that one i think and that also it, i mean his last thing in dc ends with a cliffhanger and it's supposed to have another miniseries but it was Batman Cacophony. Is it Batman Cacophony or the Batman the Widening Geyer? It's were, one of those two, yeah. Whichever one I think came it might be second. Cacophony. Yeah. And it ends with a cliffhanger. And then, like, that's it. That yes. was 15, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, he, he was busy with other stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was it was at that time when when he did it, like his you know, his uh, his popularity was much. I mean, not that he's dipped significant in popularity, but I think uh, his brand, if you will, was so high that like him doing that really lended an air of legitimacy to it. People were like, "Holy crap, Kevin Smith's writing a comic," and that made it blow up in a pretty major way. Yeah, and then he read the wrote the Green Arrow ongoing. Which is actually not bad. That stuff's yeah. pretty good, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when we 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 mentioned uh, Kingpin, obviously, uh, Kingpin being Matt's greatest villain, but then mm-hmm. he has other villains. Some would say Bullseye is his greatest villain. But uh, let's talk about Matt's villains. Um, are there ones that work? Are there ones that don't? Are there ones that don't work anymore? Are there? I mean, we I can could start spend with the next Bullseye. thirty minutes. I can spend the next thirty minutes just talking about Stilt Man, frankly. But I don't know mm-hmm. how much we want to do that. <laughs> do you like Stilt Man? I love Stilt Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like it's one of those things that. I feel like didn't do the thing that DC did where they were just like any premise you can think of will be a villain. Kite man, polka dot man, zebra man, anything. And I don't feel like Marvel did that as much. You get a couple weird ones here and there, but what I love about stilt man is I'm like, this guy should have been fighting Batman in the sixties. Like (laughs) why was this guy here? He feels so out of place sometimes. Um, but I kind of love that silly goofiness. I think he's got a cool design. And I also, Maggie, speaking of uh, Zdarsky's run, one of my favorite things about it was seeing the the arc where he gave all these villains an opportunity to try to reform. Yeah. And Stiltman gets a hero moment. Like, Stiltman yeah. saves a child from a burning building. I'm like, yes, my boy, this is amazing. Like, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. You've earned this, Wilbur Day. So yeah, I it's a character that I love, but I'll I'll turn it over to you two to talk villains for a bit. Uh you you mentioned the the recent run where Matt is trying to reform the the people on the island, um, and it brings up like a very interesting thing that X Men has brought up recently, where it's like 
if we just say that like tabula rasa blank slate what you did in the past is forgiven we as long as we adhere to what we are going forward the mutants have been doing that because they need mutant solidarity on krakoa and a lot of the villains it's shown that like a lot of the villains are just villains because they've been villains and that like in real life if we think about like prison recidivism and like going back to prison and essentially becoming just a, a worse person because of your trauma because you've been put into prison makes it more likely you're gonna go back to prison when if you didn't go to prison in the first place you could have been rehabilitated from the start and not mm-hmm. get into that cycle when you look at villains in the marvel universe that are essentially they're doing the same thing over and over if you give them a chance to be a hero or to you know make up for their their past without that baggage can they reform i thought that was a super cool part of like matt's island thing and the other heroes were hating on it they like yeah <laughs> they're just cops they're just being cops and like <laughs> they did the same thing with the x-men where the x-men were like no Sabretooth's with us and Sabretooth right. ended up Sabretooth ended up killing people and then they sent Sabretooth away into the prison but the point being is that like they're like no, mutants are our business. Like, you stick to your humans, you know? But, like, <laughs> Matt tried to reform... Was Stegron there, too? Stegron was there. Um, that lady symbiote, who I think her name is Shriek, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was there. Uh, there was Bullet a bunch of people there. From the Fancy Dan... From the Anacenti run was there. Fancy Dan from the Enforcers was one of them. John Walker was one of them too, right? No, John Walker. John Walker. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I it may John be Walker... one of the sickest scenes of that whole run. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? He, he just... off the lights? Yeah. He, well, he turns off the lights after he's like, time to get right with God, John. And John's like, uh, like, no, I'm right with God. And then he goes, if you were right with God, he wouldn't have sent the devil. And then he shuts off the yeah. lights. And I like <laughs> yeah. dropped the comic and did laps around my apartment because I got so hyped. I was like, let's go. Yeah. I... That run had some like hard panels. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. I... Daredevil, Daredevil lends itself to moments where like that, where you're just like, oh shit. Like the Frank yeah. Miller run where the 10 dudes fight kingpin at once just to like be his workout for the day yeah that's a great moment one of my favorite parts of the frank miller run is when those people follow electra into an alleyway and she kills them all and writes i love new york in their blood (laughs) (laughs) i remember when i read that i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) that moment's great i love the moment when uh when in born again when he blows up matt's house and he finds the costume in it and he has that whole monologue about how like he didn't know who was responsible and it ends with him going it was a nice piece of work kingpin you shouldn't have signed it i'm like yeah Yeah. let's go (laughs) (laughs) are daredevil's one-liners are daredevil's one-liners better than batman's one-liners low-key a little bit right especially because i feel like a lot of them are at moments where like he's really on the ropes or like you're he's a dangerous man in this moment you don't know what's about to happen right don't yeah like batman will never be backed into a corner 
but Daredevil right. thrives in the corner. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an inherent difference between the characters. Is like Batman would never like that's kind of the problem with Batman. I love Batman, but the infallibility of Batman. Marvel never pretends right. that Daredevil is infallible. They're like, no, you're gonna kick him, he's gonna get down, like, and he's gonna like thrash his way back. Well, and that's that's the boxer mentality, right? Like the rope-a-dope. You let the guy hit you until he's worn out, and then you strike back because you built yeah. up your energy. Like that's 100% how Daredevil fights and how he thinks. Like that's his dad coming out in him. That's a good point. He works best yeah. under pressure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about the bad guys, though. You're right, Dimitri. We should talk about some villains. Um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, are you guys a big fan of Bullseye? I gotta be honest with you. I, outside of just like what I've read in Dare, I don't really know a whole, whole lot about Bullseye. You know what I mean? I think he's yeah. a cool character though. Um, I, uh, I, I don't support what he does, <laughs> but I do think he's a good sure. character. Morally, yeah, he's an I interesting character, him. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's be I have to be careful um, with that. Well, what's funny too is like, I was thinking about this going into today. I was like, Daredevil is a character who is wildly popular. And like, there's so many runs of him that are like highly acclaimed. And if you really take a step back, he's got like three or four villains. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that, Or at least ones that have like made an impact in a major way that everybody's like, this is a Daredevil villain. Yeah. Because you got you Bullseye. About... Sorry, go ahead. Bullseye Electric Kingpin. Yeah. Maybe the owl, if you're being generous. <laughs> <laughs> the owl has yet like... to make any impact other than the comics, right? Right. Right. Um, I mean, he was kind of in the Daredevil TV show. Uh Leland Owsley uh, yeah. Senior, right? And then he dies. Yeah. Did they ever show Junior? No, but I'm waiting for the day a guy shows up with crazy hair and claws flying around to fight Charlie Cox. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I yes, I mean, I I need it. I need more Daredevil media and that like I just I need it. I think Daredevil just those badass moments in the comics i'm not one of those people that say like we need a live action adaptation for everything but like mm -hmm. daredevil makes a really good live action adaptation yeah well i th and think part of that too is that it's even with spider-man you have a degree of big showcasing moments that are going to be very special effects laden right but daredevil mm -hmm. anything that he's going to get into it's going to be very street level. It's going to be a brawl. It's going to be a well choreographed like fight sequence. Yeah. And I think that kind of gives him a different quality that sets him apart from a lot of superhero media um, with some exceptions. But yeah, like that's what you want to see from Daredevil is like a cool ninja fight where he's really showing off his skills. And that's very compelling and entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um. Um, we brought up the villains. What about his super friends? <laughs> I love his relationship with Spider-Man. 
Uh-huh. How would you describe that relationship? A bromance. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Foggy and him are what I call hetero life mates. Yeah, you 100%. Know? I, you know? I like that they, you know, they have so much in common. Um, My dog is like licking right by my microphone. I'm like, can you stop? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I do like that they have so much in common and they have like a respect for each other when it comes to what you have to do to protect your friends and your family and your, your, your own identity. You know what I mean? They have an understanding of each other that I think Mm. obviously not many people do. And they Mm. both dealt with loss. A lot of yeah. loss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just good old neighborhood boys, right? Yeah, yeah. New York and, boys. Yeah. <laughs> are they from? Are they close to each other? I don't know where Hell's Kitchen is compared to. Where's Hell's is, Kitchen? Is, is a small Queen neighborhood. Is... Hell's Kitchen in is a Manhattan. small neighborhood in Manhattan. Yeah. Okay. So, it, which is kind of the funny thing about reading old Daredevil comics, because you're like, damn, New York has changed <laughs> significantly. You go to Hell's Kitchen now, it's like bougie. It's one of the really nice parts of the city. Mm. Um, versus like Frank Miller's interpretation, where you're like, this is a garbage pile on Earth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's like the Spider-Man from Queens? Spider-Man's from Queens, yeah. And Queens is like one of the outer boroughs of New York City. Okay. Are you um, out in would, New York City? I'm in Jersey City. Okay. So I can literally see like the New York skyline. So Kamala I'm Khan. Yeah, I'm near Kamala Khan. Yeah. <laughs> That's, cool. That's cool. That's uh, cool. <laughs> but it would take you, it would take, if you were in Hell's Kitchen, it would take you a minute to get all the way out to Queens if you're taking the subway yeah. or even driving. Okay. I I just wanted to say that like I love being a Californian. I love living in California. I think it's the best state. <laughs> You know, like I'm very proud. That being said, I'm all I've always been so jealous of Marvel's relationship to New York City. <laughs> I, you know, I just <laughs> I'm I'm always like they're doing their thing, and I'm like that would seem really cool. Um, like neither in DC or Marvel does LA have very much going on. Like West Coast Avengers, were they in LA? <laughs> I don't know. The X-Men moved to San Francisco, which I think it was cool, but like I'm not in San Francisco. Uh in Marvel, the Pride takes over like LA and whatever, and that shows like that's why there's no heroes there. Um <laughs> and then DC has Coast City, but I don't know where Coast City is supposed to be. It's supposed to be somewhere in California. But, I feel like, like it must be California, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's the East Coast, <laughs> the, the coast it's on. No, it is it is on the West Coast, but like the West Coast is huge, so I don't know where Coast City is. Uh, and then Star City, I think, is also on the West Coast, but I think Star City might be in like Washington State. Well, it must like, be nice Seattle. to have some options. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. <laughs> what? I I'm there's bound to be so, like a Marvel thing from Kentucky, who, right? Who was the superhero for the Fifty State Initiative for Kentucky? I was I was trying to look that up. Uh, I wrote okay. Oh, yeah. I wrote in Google Kentucky Let's State team. I wrote Kentucky State. Team. I just get basketball. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I'm say just, you're getting. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm trying to go for Marvel. I sometimes forget <laughs> that there are other that there 
things other than comics. Uh, Who are these people? All right. Is are it we ready action for this? Pack? It's action pack. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I saw. So this is a team called the Action Pack. Maggie, I want to hear your assessment of this uh, group as our official representative uh, okay. here. So one of them, uh, now this, we're going to start with maybe the worst one. One of them is a scroll imposter who posed as Frogman. Okay. How do we feel about uh, this so far? I mean, I'm that interested. sucks for Keep that going. scroll. <laughs> that scroll got assigned to be Frogman. Okay. Uh, yeah, he really drew the short straw on that one. Yeah. Also, what what strategic value did Frogman have at the Secret Invasion that they were like, we got to get a Frogman This guy. I think that right. people would overlook Frogman, right? Like, mm -hmm. they wouldn't think that a scroll would be Frogman. Just like they wouldn't think that a scroll would be that that coyote that Amadeus Cho had. Remember? I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm -mm. Um, all right, so there's one. Her name is Prima Donna. Oh. She is a former supermodel who has an uh, undefined level of super strength. Uh-huh. Okay. I like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, we have Vox. He uh, has on his face what I can only describe as a series of neon lights. But they're, I think they're uh, in sound, I think they're sound waves, right? Okay. His abilities manifest, okay, he has electromagnetism and his abilities manifest as glowing orange circles. Okay. Mm. Okay. This is the best one, I think. <laughs> okay. Her name is Cloud Nine. She's wearing like a, a Amelia Earhart type aviator outfit. Yeah, Cloud Nine was one of the main characters in Avengers Initiative. She was one of the yeah. youngest. She's a she's really good with a sniper and she can fly on a cloud. That's sick. She also appears to be able to like manipulate gases and that's how she flies. Oh, so she can okay. make like is it like Goku? She can like fly on a cloud? Yeah. But I don't know if she was ever a member of... Is she a member? It's According to this, she is part of... Okay. The, she probably did that after pack. she graduated then. Okay, yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like Cloud9. Okay. Pretty great. She is the yeah. best one. She is a really good character. Yeah, great design. I like this a lot. All right, Maggie, in how fact, do we feel about the action pack? Maggie, as, as Maggie should cosplay. Maggie, you should cosplay Cloud9. Let me Google Cloud9. <laughs> it's not, oh, why did it's I... not bad. Oh my gosh. Here we go. It actually doesn't seem like she's part of the team. Yeah. She was just there. She just met them at one point. She should join the team. Oh, oh yeah. She she's not cool. even from Kentucky. She's from Illinois. She's, yeah. Oh my gosh. Please be <laughs> Boo. Boo, Illinois. That's not even not close Kentucky, to me. Though. Huh? I said Frogman's not from Kentucky, though. He's from New York. He's from <laughs> Daredevil. They had to relocate a lot of people for the 50 state initiative <laughs> just to give. Yeah. Have you guys seen so. have you guys seen Kansas's super team? Mm -mm. They get ripped no, apart Kansas. by zombies. In I think Marvel Zombies Supreme, there's a guy who's yeah, a living sunflower. Oh, what? That sounds fun. Uh, Kansas, I think, right? Kansas Marvel team. Uh, the Harvesters. That's members. Cool. Members include Pioneer. 
formerly Topeka, Grain Belt, Meadowlark, and Sunflower. I think a lot of them get eaten by uh, Hyperion. I'm looking up the New Jersey team. And at first I was excited because we apparently got a version of the Defenders, uh-huh. which included Nighthawk, Blazing Skull, Colossus, She-Hulk, Son of Satan. This is a dope team. And here's here's their history. Ready? Second paragraph. The team was disbanded for incompetence. Why Great. is Colossus on that team? I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> also, mutants mutants weren't drafted. I guess Colossus was. Huh. Okay. Well, California had an actual series called The Order. Yeah, I remember that. Wasn't that like a Matt Fraction joint? I think so. I have the books. I've read them, but it's been a long time. Um, They should bring that back. Anyway. (laughs) I love the 50... You mean the 50 State Initiative? Yeah, bring that back. I would love it. I would also love to just design some California heroes as opposed to the order because i thought that yeah. was lazy they were just mythology inspired but like what does california have to do with that <laughs> we should have gotten a big bear because our that's on our state totally yeah, yeah, yeah give us give us a big bear <laughs> like if you're doing cal like give us prima donna yeah she would fit well as like a california character because she's a supermodel right you know so you know, because we're all supermodels out here. <laughs> um, so bringing it back to Matt, his super friends. Uh, we got Spider-Man. That's a big one. Um, it's a lot of street level stuff, right? Like street level heroes. He, I think he had the a, one that he had a stint with Black Widow. That's true in San Francisco. Did you guys like mm-hmm. that? You guys like that mashup? Like or not mashup? Matchup? Ma- match? Anyway, whatever. You guys like them? <laughs> it's fine you know what i mean okay yeah it's not my number one like ship choice for him what's your number one ship choice yeah uh therapy yeah well uh, we're not getting a good therapist frankly we're 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 jumping (laughs) around but like has he ever gone to actual therapy not outside of professional as far as i know like I know that's what I was thinking. Like, I don't think confessional counts. Yeah, from a cat, like, I mean, I I I don't think confessional counts. Confessional is not professional. You know, I I don't think that. Like, I think that although no, you know, people in their religions, although you know, it helps, I guess, to talk to somebody. These aren't trained professionals. It's just kind of you know. It's just like yeah. some random guy teaching your kindergarten mm-hmm. class. Like, who's this person? They're not a teacher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they could be a good person. They could be great, but they're not a teacher if they're not trained. Um, but yes, he doesn't need a therapist. Who? who, who I think <laughs> I'm trying to remember in the Mark Wade run. Now, uh, are you currently? You said you're currently reading the Mark Wade run. Yeah, I'm like, I'm picking at it. You know. Oh, I mean? Okay. I was going to say, you, maybe you got to this part, but I remember one of the things that Mark Wade really explored that I thought was interesting was Matt dealing with depression in like an explicit way. Like he has depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there was a bit in that where he did like go see a therapist or he sought like some form of therapeutic help in that story. But it might have been a little later in the run. 
yeah i if, if it does happen I, I don't think i'm there yet but which is yeah fine. but uh no i agree he could use it like regardless he could use it yeah for sure. there was also a good story in that run and this might be by minor spoilers so i apologize out there for anybody okay. who hasn't read it yet but um his mom comes back which was cool because like we haven't seen her since it was revealed she was the nun or at least as far yeah. as i remember like she's not really been in any stories and you find out that like part of the reason that she left him and his dad was because she was dealing with really severe postpartum depression mm -hmm. and there's like a really interesting story about the two of them reconciling over like what happened to her and and her coming to terms with that it's really really good yeah uh, that is interesting that, yeah i highly recommend that uh to, worth worth checking out for anyone who like hasn't read it. It was the original sin tie-in of the uh, the series. Yeah, uh, we all remember the the event original sin. I'm sure. Uh, so it's pretty easy to pick out because it's got that banner at the top. It's like a two part story, but definitely worth checking out and reading. It's really good. Again, cool. an example of something that Marvel wouldn't do to Spider Man. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like Marvel would not make Ant May. The last time Marvel, I don't know if you guys remember um what was it called? What was that what was that mini series called with young Aunt May, young Uncle Ben? It was called it wasn't called Oh Life. my god, you talking about trouble? Trouble. The last time Marvel tried to really change things up with 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 uh Spider-Man's origin, Marvel made a romance comic between May, Ben, Richard, and whatever Spider-Man's mom's name is. I want to say Martha, but it's not Martha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they made them fall in love at camp and switch partners. And then Aunt May gets pregnant with Peter and gives it to her sister to raise. So it makes Aunt May Peter's mom because of a cheating incident. And then... <laughs> And then they were like, oh, never mind. This is out of continuity. And that was, no. a, that, was a, that was a Mark Miller comic, if I remember correctly. Oh, Mark Miller attempting to write a romance comic. Yeah, yeah. Mistakes were made. They had those, like, really gross photo covers. Of, like, young underage girls, like, looking like they're yeah. modeling for, like, Forever twenty, not Forever Twenty One. This is why limited, limited this is two. why Marvel Knights needed to happen because they were doing stuff like that as well, and they needed something to like bounce back. Yeah. Oh God, trouble. Um, I, I've gone so many years without thinking about that comic, and now you made me think about it. Ken, I'm, I'm so sorry. Mad at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you just like you have to learn the right lessons from it. It isn't that like you can't <laughs> shake things up. It's that like. There are certain things that you're like, eh, are you, do what, what's the purpose of doing this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Spider-Man's mom's name is Mary, by the way. Mary. Richard and Mary Parker. That's place. right. Not Martha. Not Martha. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there, there are three villains in Marvel Comics that have the last name Marco, and they're, none of them are related to each other. <laughs> Who's it? Juggernaut, Sandman, and who's the other one? Man Mountain Marco. Oh, right. So two of them, two of them are Spider-Man villains alone. There's right. and then there's Juggernaut. Um, but on that subject of villains, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. We were talking about Punisher earlier. Mm -hmm. And I have never been a huge fan of 
Punisher like solo comics with some exceptions. Uh, I really will defend that recent Jason Aaron run. I thought it was exceptional. Um, but the one thing that I love is when he's an antagonist for a hero character. And I think yeah. Daredevil in particular, their dynamic together, not a friendship by any stretch of the imagination, but I think their dynamic together is one of my favorites to see in comics. I mean, it works really well on the show. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, by the way, all those companies do just pay their writers and actors uh, what they want because we Absolutely. can't keep going on with this. Um, anyway, so, but like, and then, yeah, I mean, that that part of that show was just really good. I don't know, Maggie? One second. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that my my personal favorite use of that was actually in the Garth Ennis Punisher, where there's that story that they adapted a little bit into the show, mm -hmm. where Matt has Daredevil tied up on the roof and he's going to kill someone, and Matt's basically like trying to talk him out of it. Yeah, um, and I think that really is a great great encapsulation of their relationship because I think much as much as Daredevil sees Foggy as like the version of his life that he wishes he had, I think there are times where Matt can almost see Frank Castle as a cautionary tale. Where if he dips too far into Daredevil, he might turn out like this guy. Right. Right. Um, Punisher and Daredevil, they're, they're a really interesting dynamic. I don't like to see it too often because I think it's sure. just like, yeah. Sometimes what happens, and my, my critique of Daredevil runs is sometimes it just ends up being repeating some of the stuff that a previous writer has done. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's just, again, with Matt, like, being like, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> yeah, and what I think that both of those characters have whether they're actually right or not, but they have their own reasons for acting and dealing with situations the way that they do. Mm. And I agree with you, Dimitri. I I like that dynamic, but I don't need to see it all the time. Yeah. Because, again, I think they both have reasons for being the way that they are, and that's probably best explored separately. But when yeah. they clash, it's good. When they have those disagreements, you know, it's good. But, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. They clashed recently, and I loved it. <clears throat> the Punisher series and the Daredevil series. Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil met Jason Aaron's Punisher. Mm -hmm. And they had a big old fight that I thought was going to be like even bigger, but it actually. I was just going to say, that's the right? only exception. <laughs> I kind of went, I, I maybe had talked myself into believing that it, that was going to be the end of it. You know what right. I mean? I did the exact same thing. Yeah. So. But it wasn't, I don't even remember what happened. Punisher comes out with a dragon. Yeah, I was going to say, not... there's a scratch page where Punisher has a dragon. And I'm like, how is this not like a 10-issue miniseries? Like, this feels like it yeah. should be the big crossover event for this part of the year. I yeah. agree. I literally thought that's how both of them was going to end. Was yeah. This yeah. big confrontation between the hand and the fist and all that stuff. So I was a little disappointed in that. But also, again, like I just said, I don't necessarily need it to be. I was just looking forward to more. <laughs> of whatever they had going on it was crazy yeah it was and crazy I, 
I will say on that point that I, I also felt that disappointment, but I, I also was, now that I've read to the end of the both series, mm. yeah. I do feel like I'm glad that they let them end the stories on their own terms the way they wanted to, yeah. rather yeah. than potentially trying to like force a crossover that maybe wouldn't have executed the vision they had for the ending for the characters. Yeah, the ending of both of those series put both characters in far different places in their life. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Then they started. So, yeah. yeah. My brain is concocting a Punisher run in my head right now that like because the problem with Punisher right now is like obviously like real world issues and <laughs> then they're trying to like separate Punisher from that but like Punisher needs to come back and make a statement in the comics you know and take his symbol back. But that's the thing. He already they already tried that. With yeah. what? With with um I can't oh my gosh. Uh, Matthew, I can't remember who wrote it. Was it Matthew Rosenberg? Yes, it was Matthew Rosenberg where when he the cops... literally he pulled the decal off the cop car yeah. and but said, If you guys want a hero or one page. I know, but geez, you'd think that would have been enough. But <laughs> I, I do agree with you, but like it is, you know. It's a shame how that character has kind of. I have a lot of feelings about the Punisher, yeah. but <laughs> I don't think he needs to exist. So I understand the idea of writing him off, but I also don't like the idea of letting real assholes win. I, yeah, I think the problem is, uh, to your point, Maggie. Like you'd think that would have made the message clear, but I think that moment makes it clear that like the people who put those decals on their trucks and whatnot, they don't read comic books. Like yeah, they, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, I mean, think, unfortunately, the the symbol has grown to a point where it means something beyond what the comic book character is. Right. Yeah. It's like people who bomb abortion clinics for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. It's you know, it's you've you've taken a, a, a one thing and twisted it into something totally different than what it was intended to be. That's the closest I'll ever get to comparing Punisher to Jesus. <laughs> that's the that's other like other than that very different people. Mitchell, <laughs> I just want to clarify. I just, but yeah. I mean, here's the thing: some of them do obviously have half a clue what's going on because they were right. so upset when the logo was changed, even though it was changed because his environment changed. You know what I mean? Right. Right. The old yeah. one was still around. It was in like a shrine or something. But yeah, <laughs> so they they have some kind of an idea as to why, or, as to why you know how Marvel feels about it. But yeah, I don't know. I I really liked the most recent Jason Aaron run. I liked how it ended. I'm interested to see what happens with the, the mantle new of the, the yeah new you know thing yeah yeah I, i'm just gonna throw out the pitch just in case marvel is listening if i had to pitch i would pitch a conspiracy of uh uh dare i say right-wing punisher enthusiasts as like a thing of different levels a gang right a domestic terrorist group and have punisher take down their thing one by one as he works up the ladder and at the end literally be on camera in front of the world executing <laughs> executing these guys and saying this is why i'm doing this this is what i stand for not this 
And if you get in my way, if you do X, Y, and Z, then that's what I stand for. I just feel like he's still a horrible, shitty killer, murderer, <laughs> all that stuff. Right. But at yeah. least, at the very least, he's not a white supremacist. Yeah. He is, right? Like, right, right. Let's, right. That's his redeeming quality. The thing he's is, not a white supremacist. The thing is, <laughs> if you do one. If you do one of these on the Punisher, you might as well just have me come back. But the thing with the Punisher is people miss the mark on that so bad. Like, he should be a hero to people who understand that veterans and men need mental health care and, like, and how we treat people when they come home from war and, like, PTSD and all Mm, this shit. And, like, like, you should look at this character as, hey, like, I, I relate to the way that this man has not healed, if that makes mm. sense. Taking right, all yeah. the, the murder and all that stuff outside of it. But like, this is an incredibly broken person who we did not help as a country, you know? Yeah. And like, that's that's what I find really interesting about him and how an entire nation of people just didn't get it, you know? Yeah. It's how the system uh, failed also... him. The many systems that incorporate his life failed right frank castle and and what kind of which i think was kind of audacious on the part of the jason aaron story is that it's not only that the system failed him but that like he showed signs the the way jason aaron for anybody who's listening to this rush this who hasn't read it like part of the story is that frank castle was showing very violent tendencies from a young age before he went to the war and i think what's also pretty damning in the story is the idea that it wasn't just that no one helped him when he came back it's that the military industrial complex saw something they could use in him when these were qualities that needed to be, you know, worked out of his system. And rather than giving him the help he needed from a young age, they said, let's take these horrible qualities and exploit them for our own ends. And then once we're done with him, we'll just leave him in society with no one to give him the the tools he needs to cope with what he's going through. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's sad because yeah, it should be a symbol of, you know, the people in real life who bring up that like, you know, male suicides on the rise, right? Like that, that men have problems too, but those people are also fighting when they say men have problems too, they're trying to be like, women shouldn't complain yeah men have problems too not that we should all complain because we all have these issues different issues but we all have issues we are all allowed we should all be allowed that healing it's that uh, women shut up men's suicides on the rise it feels like it's never brought up unless it's oh i'm sorry go ahead no no, it's okay you can interrupt me it's fine (laughs) no 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 no, it's you know they it's a woman's fault essentially when it comes to that because like i don't know what you guys were talking i was talking to my son just a second ago but uh it it goes back to account accountability and like what can i do for myself or how can i help myself instead of whose whose fault is this you know what i mean yeah right um man punisher yeah it's so it's so weird like daredevil has not persisted in the pop culture like in the like the mainstream eye as like punisher has right it's but so what i weird. think is 
what I think is also interesting about their dynamic is that uh, when they do interact, I also feel like Matt tries to help Daredevil or Matt tries to help Frank, but I think there's the reversal happening as well, where Frank is almost like Matt's personal serpent in the garden, to use a, a religious metaphor. That like I think Matt sees or, uh, Frank sees Matt as the one superhero who could maybe dip to his side. And he's often kind of like, you know, I'm right when I do this. And I know you also want to be doing this. So get on board and get out of my way. I see it that way. But I also see it as in a way of Frank, without showing weakness, pleading his case to the lawyer, right? (laughs) He's like, please understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. There's X, Y, and Z. There are all these reasons why I'm doing what you were doing. You're coming at me, but please just listen to me. Like the closest Punisher gets to like crying, right? Is him being like, Matt just, you know? And he goes about it the whole wrong way. Like maybe Frank needs to cry. Crying helps. Like we all need a good cry, you know? Let's revisit the therapy conversation. Right. You know? Um, So Matt does need a therapist also, but Punisher (laughs) needs a whole team. Like, Mm. um, there, there was an ongoing thing um, in Avengers Initiative where Doc Samson was a therapist and then he was helping, uh, there's a character named Trauma, I think, um, from the Avengers Initiative. And he was helping Trauma and then Trauma becomes a therapist uh, because Trauma turns into what you fear. Like he's a good guy, but I think he turns into like what you fear and he helps. And then he like learns and he helps you cope. And so, like, a lot of these heroes need therapy. I I wonder if his first session with this guy was like, so your name is literally Trauma. Let's unpack that. (laughs) I think it's because he, yeah, his name is- We need to start there. (laughs) Terrence Terrence Ward has the ability to transform into whatever people close to him are afraid of. So he's the bogger in Harry Potter, right? (laughs) Like- you saying that, I just remembered that part of the Zdarsky run is that the the uh, Ninja Restorative Practice Clinic that he runs has mandatory sessions with Doc Samson. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot all about that. Is Doc Samson... Oh, Doc Samson's in the show of Zdarsky run? Yeah, it's yeah. very because he's still a, a green Sasquatch after the events okay. of Immortal Hulk. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's like giving all the villains therapy as well. Mm-hmm. So I imagine uh, Matt was probably talking to him too at that time. As, as part that of means that. a lot. Like, I don't know. Like, like to me as a person, that like means a lot. Yeah. I don't know. You well, know? They've, mm-hmm. they've been doing, I feel like there's been a very interesting shift in superhero storytelling where they are exploring these ideas more of the idea the, like concept of uh, uh prison reform and whether or not villains should just be thrown in jail or if they should be given the chance to go through like restorative practice and even in the most recent speaking of doc samson doc samson's been very busy lately in the marvel universe because miles started seeing him in this past week's miles morales Spider-Man i didn't read this too. last i need to read it but it's okay, good. good it's really good yeah because miles has been going through some shit like miles has been dealing yeah. with his depression and whatnot <laughs> and like his trauma and like, you're right. It there has been a recent influx. I think as mainstream culture has been a little bit more accepting um, of of therapy, uh, which there's no reason why you shouldn't. 
people need therapy. Everybody needs therapy. Everybody would benefit from talking to somebody outside themselves while letting their guard down a little bit. Right. Um, but also this idea that like, you don't always have to solve a problem with punches is like starting to become a thing. Right. Um, Steven universe, it's not Marvel, but Steven universe (laughs) focuses a lot on like, sure. We could fight. We can use our powers, but we could also talk. Have we tried talking as an option? Um, I feel like that's a, that's a thing in comics now. Like they're kind (laughs) of exploring a little bit more of that. I think it, I'm sorry. I think it makes for more compelling storytelling, honestly. Mm. In in some way, you know, sometimes you need to just blow some shit up or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Miles comic does end with uh showing up and his daughter, they're like, We're gonna go kill some vampires, like, yeah, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> There's room for both. <laughs> I, I I mean I also like the idea of like vampires being talked to and the vampires being like Okay, I, I I think Moon Knight has been dealing with vampires, and then Blade deals with vampires, but yeah. Um, Mike Murdoch, <laughs> go on. So Mike originally was an alternate identity that Matt used to pretend to be his own brother. That's fake. That was made up. And then later, his fake brother gets wished into existence and becomes his own literal person with a soul who then dies in Chip Zadarsi's run. It's so sad. And then people think that Mike (laughs) is Matt and that Matt is dead. Right. It's this whole thing. But like, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Mike? I was really not expecting us to be talking about Mike Murdoch at any point today. I'm not going to lie to you. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. I didn't come prepared for Mike. I, I I wouldn't have thought about it before Chip Zdarsky. Like, yeah, that's kind of the thing about the Chip Zdarsky run that I also love, which is like he he really zigs when you think he's going to zag in a lot of moments in that run. There's a lot of unexpected directions of turns, and one of those is let's make Mike Murdoch a real person and give him a very tragic story arc. He made me care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. Chip. Ugh, good writers <laughs> stick with you. They matter, right? Like they affect mm-hmm. you. They like, um, but like Chip had a good run. That being said, Daredevil number one came out. Mm-hmm. with uh mm-hmm. saladin ahmed who i met at c2e2 in chicago um and uh uh he agreed like oh he he wants to do an interview but i had to hit him up but now i think then it got like announced that he was gonna do daredevil and i was like i cannot reach this guy so <laughs> maybe one day i'll get the interview with him um how'd you guys feel about the daredevil the first issue because it picks up Maggie, right where Right where Zadarsky's run ends. So, right? Maggie, you should go first with this because you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I feel like you should go first because I don't want to know. I, I want to know if I'm judging it too harshly. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, my thought is it's hard sometimes with first issues where you can tell there's like a bigger story being planned. Yeah. Because this is the thing about comics that I've tried to adopt more of a mentality of where I'm like, I want to, as the kids would say, let them cook. 
and see what happens and how it plays out before I really make a firm judgment on something. Because yeah. I will say, I love the idea of like Matt losing his identity, like losing his memories a little bit, playing this role as a priest, uh, like helping the community, like this little, new little supporting cast that got introduced of the other priests and the kids in this, um, you know, essentially uh, at risk home that's potentially going to be closed down by the larger diocese. Like all those dramatic elements I thought were really interesting. I think the one thing that I'm a little hesitant about is the fact that spoilers, I guess, for this first issue, it pretty much ends with Matt putting on the Daredevil costume again. And there was a part of me that was like, man, I really could have read like a whole arc of just Matt in this new life without becoming Daredevil just yet. And it's one of those things where I'm like, am I being too judgmental? Because on the one hand, we all know what's going to happen eventually. So is it like Saladin Ahmed saying like, I don't see the point in dragging this out and maybe it will end up paying off as the story continues. And I'll be like, you know what? Making this choice was the right one. Or will I ultimately feel like shifted gears too quickly? I don't know, Maggie, if you have similar feelings or if there's something else that you I, feel about it. I, I do feel very similar. I, my thought process was when I finished reading it, I expected honestly less from the first issue. Hmm. I feel like there was too much happening. Um, And I agree with you. I told someone else, like right after I read it, I feel like that first issue could have been spread out in like a six issue arc. Yeah. You know, I, I also feel like the way, because I know that Zadarsky and Ahmed had a conversation, you know, when Mm -hmm. it was kind of announced that who was going to take over the run and all that stuff. And they had a conversation about how he was going to end it and where the, the new story should go. I Mm -hmm. feel like Chip kind of left it open to, you could go this way, you could go this way, you know, Mm -hmm. I would have loved to seen, and I know that it's a daredevil story, but I would have loved to seen Electra kind of carry and be the heavy as daredevil for a lot longer and kind of keep tabs on Matt while he's doing this thing with the church. You know what I mean? Because I feel like it kind of, and again, I'm with you. Like I'm going to keep reading it. Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. but in my head, it kind of feels like it's undermined all the work she did to be, to to be where she's at now. Um, Yeah. Also a little bit kind of going back to like Matt's struggle with his faith in the earlier run in the Zadarsky run to just go right back and then like really lean into it feels mm. a little off for me personally, but we'll see how it goes. It was a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I didn't think about it until you said it, but yeah, you're totally right. You probably could have spread that out into like a four or five part story. Like as an yeah, opening arc yeah. and then have that ending I, be like the end of the first arc. Yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have seen, even though I'm, I don't, really like that he's just leaning into like being a priest now but like i would have mm-hmm. liked to see that flesh out a little bit more you know and i think the the him being a priest would have maybe worked a little bit better if the amnesia felt more complete you know what i mean where it's like yeah. he's like doesn't even remember being daredevil period right yeah. so like if he yeah. becomes a priest at that point it's like okay, I can understand the journey there because then it's like, if those memories come back, 
then we rebuild that crisis of faith and like his him grappling with like oh i've now created this whole life where people have this expectation for me as this person but that doesn't fit with this journey i've gone on like the fact that the amnesia seems to be like dissipating so quickly i was kind of like "Hmm, i'm curious to see where this is gonna go yeah Um, like i know that um there's some time that has passed. I think it's over like six yes, months or something. Yeah. But I feel a little robbed of the build up to now. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. I agree. So, but I all that. that being said, you know I'm gonna be there. The whenever the next <laughs> issue, I'm like I'm gonna buy number two. I'm gonna buy the variants. Like, <laughs> so like I say all that just as you know, someone who so intensely loved the run that came before it. Yeah. And so. that's why I feel like I want to see how this plays out before I judge yeah. it. Cause there's enough stuff there that I really liked that if it, yeah. if that stuff is executed, well, I'll get over the like disappointment that I feel a little bit about it. Um, but I also think the art is really great. The design of that demon. Oh, like, I forgot about that yeah. demon. But like, Where, it's still like head. his body. That was yeah. so weird and messed up. I was like, this rocks. The demon yeah. head sits on her body but his demon like body is like that's like hanging out behind. of his mouth. So yeah. like, it's like Modoc, right? In a way, like yeah. it's the yeah. demon head, and then Electra's body hangs from his head. Yeah, and then that his <laughs> that was but actually, again, yeah, and then he again, exercises like... it. Yeah. I was like, okay, if this arc is gonna be Daredevil's fighting literal demons, I think I might be on board with this. That kind of kicks ass. <laughs> yeah yeah that was wild i forgot about that (laughs) yeah i i mean so the way i see it is probably marvel editorial was probably like look we can't have another electra as daredevil book for some reason for whatever reason right they're like we need matt murdoch in the suit i'm sure there's a marvel editorial that's like we need to bring back the original characters to take back the original suits because Steve Rogers is getting Captain America back, like his like own solo. Sam has moved backwards. Uh, Tony is back to be an Iron Man. Um, Thor is the immortal Thor. Bruce Banner is the Hulk, right? Like uh, the the yeah. classic Avengers team, or like the MCU Avengers team, is now the Avengers. But it's the classic people, like Scarlet Witch, Vision, right? Like yeah. Hawkeye, not Kate Bishop, but it's you know. Uh, there's probably a Marvel push to like put the original people back in their masks. It feels like Marvel is doing what DC was doing in the 2010s where they're like legacies. Oh, push them aside, erase a lot of it. Yeah. And it's like, Hey guys, I don't know if you noticed, but DC realized that was a mistake and now they're undoing all that. (laughs) So I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about a lot of these, some of these choices, but I don't know. I have a theory. I have a theory that Ultimate Marvel is coming back. And then they're... Um, well, it they're is, gonna... right? Like, isn't Jonathan yeah, running I mean, as, book? Oh, like I mean, a full as, imprint. As an imprint. Yeah. I think that they're going to, you know... I mean, ulti- the Ultimate Comics is the most successful imprint that comics have ever done. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have a hard time. I think that or Vertigo. Uh, I mean, yeah, Vertigo, are, <laughs> I think Vertigo artistically, but Ultimates mainstream, like getting people into mainstream comics through a non, 
I feel like we could debate about timeline? that for a whole yeah. other hour. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Because we have to get into the Sandman of it all, and that's like such a huge <laughs> right. gateway for people. That right. that got so many people in the comics. But yeah. I think it's... I think I think if we're talking within the last ten years, then it's definitely Ultimates. Uh, Ultimates me. didn't exist ten, for how long? Like past ten years. Oh God, wait. Two thousand. It was the year two thousand. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> Again, Ultimate Comics got me into reading monthly comics. Oh, me too. But I was like, I was in high, I was in middle school ten years ago, right? I'm like, no, I'm thirty four. What am I saying? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I um, anyway. I would. Uh, by just a side note, back when I was reading Ultimate Comics, I would never have thought I'd be here with you guys. Uh, talking about comics <laughs> as an adult with people who love it so thank yeah. you so much for that um something i just wanted to bring up when you pair matt with luke cage with jessica jones with iron fist mm. sure they did it with the defenders miniseries but they also did it with like the comics a little bit uh my my big problem with the defenders show the netflix show is that they didn't adhere to what's called like the four temperaments and the four temperaments are essentially the Ninja Turtles. Like the Ninja Turtles and the <laughs> Hogwarts houses to an extent, like are the four temperaments. Um, and so if you're making a four-person team, you stick to those four temperaments so that everybody is distinctly different. I think what it breaks down to is like two extroverts, two introverts, but they're extroverts and introverts in different ways. There's like a square, right? But essentially, who is Matt compared to the Ninja Turtles? Which is funny given... The history of Ninja Turtles and Daredevil. <laughs> I get that, you know. But like who in those four, like who is who? Because okay, so my, my belief is that in the Defenders Netflix show, they should have billed Iron Fist as the Mikey. It would have been a better yeah, show 100%. if Iron Fist was Michelangelo, essentially. That's kind of what he is in that one Spider-Man cartoon, right? He's kind of like I think a bit so. of a surfer bro. There's that yeah. like kids that, that was from like forever ago. Yeah. He's the ultimate Spider-Man. That and that's a like, better Whoa. He's voiced by Beast Boy off. in that cartoon to give you an idea of their characterization mm. of him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh yeah, Maggie, do you have a thought on this? I'm thinking about it. As I look at a picture of the Ninja Turtles above my <laughs> desk. Like who's I okay, who's Donatello? Who's Donatello in that foursome? Well, I like, think the problem is that none of them fit those groups well enough, right? That like you right. couldn't necessarily say. But yeah, I do agree. Iron Fist should have been the Mikey. Jessica Jones is the Raphael. Is she? Is yeah, Matt? She has to be. Okay, so then is Matt Donatello? Mm. Because Luke would be Leo. Right, like the problem. The problem is the four of them. The way they're characterized are all like Donatello's with like Raphael rising, or they're just like, <laughs> or yeah. I think it just or Leo. Like I mean, they're primarily you know, Raphael. Oh no, like, I didn't say. I said yeah. Donatello. I meant Leo. Yes, they're Leo's yeah. and Raphael's rising. Uh, right. Except for Jessica Jones, who I think is more Raphael because you know, justifiably an angry person. Right. Um, but yeah, that is the issue. Right, is that they're all kind of samey in some ways and they don't right. have distinct enough yeah. things to be a good team but i feel like i guess i guess daredevil is probably the most like leo right that's kind of what i was thinking but i don't know but i think you'd get along with mikey because they have similar weapons it's just a <laughs> right yeah. like oh yeah weapons, but they do yeah. have the things attached <laughs> to them yeah 
an Electra would chill with Raphael. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Totally. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Just something to to think about. Um, it is crazy you know. that we got a a Batman Ninja Turtles crossover before we got a Daredevil Ninja Turtles crossover, right? Like does Marvel so... does Marvel do crossovers with other companies? Not like as much recently, as they used to. yeah. No, yeah. Marvel Any... Fortnite is the only thing that I can think of. Right, and that In only came years. after DC Fortnite was crazy popular. DC, oh, I mean, yeah. Bat- Batman Fortnite is <laughs> was really good. Yeah, like, like that's I, I don't know if you guys read it, but like. It oh, did yeah. not need. It did not need. To, you, oh, you didn't read it. I did not know. You. It did not need to be good. It is a legitimately good Batman book. Uh huh. It's did so. Did Batman wild. do any of the Fortnite dances in it? No, no, no. They, they don't. The they 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 don't. They don't hope like make it hokey. Okay. No. <laughs> but they are like in the world. So like I bought them for my son because he was really into like getting the codes. Yeah, but I never read it. But like, they're in the world, right? Like, they're in the okay. Fortnite world. Well, Fortnite is a like nexus of all realities. Okay, I got like you. it's its own yeah, yeah. thing, and that's why you can have Sarah Connor and Terminator <laughs> and Predator, yeah. and every, right. anyone from any existence come in. But they do a cool thing where they lose memories, right? So they could have characters come in and actually like be a part of it, and then leave and not remember. Um, yeah. But Batman Fortnite, part of the plot of Batman Fortnite is that it's like Memento. Batman keeps losing his memory every time the game resets. And thus okay. has to write down oh, clues from himself. Okay. He's in a he's in a live die repeat. He's in a uh yes. a Edge of Tomorrow scenario. With, Interesting. With Catwoman, who he doesn't remember, but he feels an attract like he feels that like history. It's really I'm actually good. mad at you that you've kind of sold me on the DC <laughs> Fortnite crossover that I. It's like not DC <laughs> Fortnite. It's Batman Fortnite because there is Sorry, a Batman Fortnite. <laughs> there is a Batman who laughs thing later. Don't don't read that one. Batman who laughs in it. I probably won't read it. No. So, uh. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, the Daredevil probably wouldn't ca- uh, cross over with Ninja Turtles because Marvel doesn't tend to do those crossovers like that. At yeah, least the only ones they do now are like companies they own. Because I was like, wait, they're going to do a Wolverine yeah. Predator, and I was like, oh right, because Disney owns Fox now, so they're yeah. they're like, we haven't here. We might. I'm very here. interested in that. Yeah, I don't same. know how they're going to do it. That was the beautiful thing about a lot of those crossovers is they were just like, don't worry about it. They're just going to fight, like you Archie and Punisher, too much. Yeah, yeah, like Archie and Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever read the like first Marvel DC crossover, like the Spider-Man Superman one? Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. have. The way it's written, correct me if I'm wrong, Dimitri, in my memory, it's just written like they've always lived in the same place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like they make They're... no attempt to be like a dimensional portal opens. They're just no. like, okay, it's just an it's alternate Superman. earth where they I all coexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there have been four DC that. Marvel crossovers, like distinctly. There's that one from the '70s. Then there's DC versus M- Marvel in the '90s. That Batman versus Hulk one that they did by so Batman versus Hulk and Superman versus Spider Man were in the same. Yeah, thing. yeah, that, same that's as Teen decade, Titans, yeah. Teen Titans, X Men. So it was yeah. that. It was that one rips. DC versus Marvel. 
But then yes. also during D- it wasn't DC versus like during the nineties, there was also the one where Batman and Captain America uh, team up against Joker and the Red Skull. So, so yeah, that's another yes. one that's separate than DC versus Marvel. They did a lot of them for a lifetime and then just stopped in the two thousands. Yeah. And the nineties were JLA Avengers. Yeah. And yeah. then there was Amalgam. Right. But that ties in with DC versus Marvel. Yeah, I guess so. It was that. Still, thing. like, yeah, JLA Avengers was the last time they did. That was so long ago. And JLA Avengers was like 10 years was like ago. De- decades <laughs> in the making. JLA Avengers yeah, yeah. probably lo- like more than t- 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it definitely is at this point. And it rips. But yeah. 2003, anyway, Brian. Jesus Christ. 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 Brian. 20 years ago. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait for when Disney oh, yeah, ten years buys ago. Paramount and then Daredevil will hang out with the Ninja Turtles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the right um, things are going. <laughs> before we get going, um, if you had to recommend um how, how I like to treat it as this. If you had to recommend just wow. one book for one person who is interested but maybe isn't um um as like knowledgeable about Daredevil. What would you recommend? So like freshman, think about like a freshman. Then like <laughs> like a sophomore level uh Daredevil book, and then like a senior level Daredevil book. Hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Interesting. Maybe it builds upon itself. I don't know. But like yeah. if you're if you're it, you know, if your friend was like, I, I don't know anything about Daredevil. I've seen some stuff. Maybe I've watched the show, whatever. But like, what should I, what, what's the one first one to start off with? Megan, I would you say, I do have thoughts. I would say, <laughs> I I think that the Frank Miller run is kind of required reading to get to know the character that we have right now. Hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, I would tell anyone to just start with frank miller and kind of go from there like brian was saying earlier ando senti that came pretty much right after that um would be like my next level and then i mean i want everyone to read chip zadarsky's but i don't (laughs) think anybody should start with that without reading previous runs you know what i mean you will not have any understanding or appreciation for the work that other people have done for the character so those would be like my three kind of Beginning so what was your base end. level? Frank Miller? Mm-hmm. Frank Miller. Frank one. Miller, and then... and then go into like Ando Senti, and then I definitely say Zdarsky. There's not a bad run. That's the thing. Right. But are there <laughs> more user, user friendly or like, you know, yeah. like new reader friendly those, runs? Those three for me, I think, are like the big defining as far as I know, like I haven't finished the Wade run, you know what I mean? So I can't, I mean, obviously yeah. it's incredibly uh, recommended by all, but for me, it, if I had to just give someone books, those, that would be what I would give them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you, especially about Frank Miller, because I feel like there are a few runs in comics that like so radically redefine a character that everything else is informed by it right mm-hmm. like even even something like the mark wade run is based on being the inversion of that right yeah. where it is a more optimistic like throwback silver age but it's being done specifically to distance itself 
yeah. from Frank Miller in some ways, not because they think it's bad, but just to like take a tone shift. Yeah. And I think you don't, and, and what's tricky, the trick of that run is, you know, we talked about there are those very heavy topics about depression and like postpartum uh, syndrome. Like what's tricky about it is, is externally, it seems like it's groovy daredevil. He's like zipping around having fun. And then what you come to realize is like, oh, a lot of this is an act. A lot yeah. of this is a front that Matt is putting on to hide this internal pain that he's coping with from all the terrible things that have happened in the runs prior to this moment. Yeah. Um, so those moments will hit harder if you have that prior knowledge of what came before. Yeah. Um, I would say that Frank Miller is definitely the, one of the best places to start and then do Anacenti. I mean, really, you could pretty much just go in order. But I would yeah. also say for somebody who is maybe coming to this as like a DC only fan, the Mark Wade run is like kind of an interesting place to start because I think it kind of, I don't want to say it feels like a DC book, but like it has sort of, I mean, it's Mark Wade, right? Like it has elements that you find in like classic DC comics. And I think it'd be a good transitional run if you're just a DC Comics person to read that and kind of get an idea of, oh, this is the Marvel Universe and here are the things that make it unique and stand out. Um, yeah. yeah, but he, I mean, it's funny, people complain often about that it's challenging to get in the comics because there are so many things. Uh, but I feel like Daredevil, I think the reason he's stayed so popular is because he just has the one book that you can have a clear starting point that you can read and just kind of go forward and get yeah. the best stories about that character. Yeah. I would argue that you don't need to read Frank Miller because all other adaptations have taken from it. <laughs> so that, like, you know, okay, we can kind of move on past that. If you've seen the Netflix Daredevil show, maybe you can go from that into Bendis. <laughs> you know? If that's, like, your vibe. But also, I'm trying to remember how Chip Zdarsky's run starts. It's I mean, immediately it's... after the the Charles Soul run, right? But what? Yeah, what's the new status quo? There's that new cop I mean, guy. Yeah, and it's kind of building on him being a, a district attorney, right? From the Charles Soul run, or being involved I... with the district attorney's office, being a public defender. I think so. Yeah, I'm like rewinding my brain. But that even, like, doesn't last super long because that's kind of just, yeah. like, tying up loose ends to then transition into what... Ha yeah. I, I almost don't want to say what happens because it's such yeah. a shocker. But, like, yeah. it sets up that whole story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I would argue... Yeah. I would argue if you really wanted to keep it clean and concise and just, like, one thing, if you've seen the Netflix show and you are you can't wait for, like, oh, you know, the new one that's going to come out... uh. Mm -hmm you could technically hop into Chip Zdarsky's thing. You don't meet yeah, any new characters that you never met, right? No, not really. I mean, you eventually you'll meet like Kingpin and Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary might be yeah. the only person, because Typhoid Mary, quote-unquote, is in Iron Fist Season 2. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I thought it was a cool adaptation of her, but it's not the same as the comics. I don't know. If she's not drawn by John Romita Jr. and her hair looks gigantic, I don't want it. But she is... That's my favorite version of that character. She is Alice Eve and she's drawn by God, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, I think... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, though, an underrated aspect, though, of the, the Miller Daredevil is that just, like, the art's so good. Like, I think yeah. a lot of... If you're a young person and you mostly know, like, modern Frank Miller, which... 
we could have a whole discussion about that stuff but like you you can look at those comics and really get an understanding of like this is why this guy was the guy at this time like yeah. what made him so distinct and you also get amazing klaus jansen art in that arc too with born again who's like mm-hmm. equally fantastic so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's good to read to get a better perspective on the comics history of it all and and really see the transitions that were being made in the 80s from you know, Silver Age comics to Bronze Age and more contemporary stuff. Yeah. It's funny how media reflects the climate of the time, right? Yes. Like, certain storylines and whatnot. Like, Lex Luthor becoming president was very interesting at that time. Because <laughs> uh, I think well, that even was... Lex Luthor businessman was to reflect, like, the 80s stock market booms and that idea of the... Uh, well, Wall Street Trump, tycoon. Right? Like I mean, some, yeah, that's who he really is. He's people were we were comparing him to them, him back then, and and his book, his like memoir book, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very interesting how. But here's what ha- I I think it's like but I feel but, like. But Dimitri, uh, wait, comics only just got political. They were never political. When yeah, they yeah, were yeah. Young. I don't know what you're that's talking what about. That's what I heard. Never that's true. Had, <laughs> if only people had better reading comprehension we could share better <laughs> ideas i think i mean it's you know yeah, um but also that like it's weird how like society downplayed superman mm-hmm. and i i'm just i'm just linking things i think downplaying superman in pop culture led to the rise of alex luther ish a penguin you know, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say it's very tra- generous to call that. Uh, it's very. I mean, it's generous to call him Penguin too, because Penguin, <laughs> Penguin's oh a very smart God. guy. You know, but the point being is that, like, I think that if we if we idolize Superman as a culture, m- m- uh, as much as we idolize Punisher, like, or even Daredevil for that matter, right? We, we well, we would be sadder if we <laughs> idolize Daredevil. We'd just all be like, oh. anyway uh i um i don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts about why you love daredevil and in in fact if you guys want to just like have a little monologue on why you love daredevil i've been uh doing that on certain episodes uh like for star trek and whatnot like why you love daredevil what brought you to daredevil just as we as we close up this episode um you can have your uninterrupted time just to get those thoughts out there. What Daredevil means to you. Maggie, do you want to do your two-page monologue? That you, your your two-hour monologue that you discussed? We've covered a lot of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we've covered a lot. I will um, I will put it together in a clip for TikTok. So. Okay. You know. Okay. And I can edit it also. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> the, point, the point being is, this is your time to... Uh, <clears throat> I'll Shout I'll keep my up. thoughts I'll keep my thoughts brief because I I yeah. want to hear uh, Maggie and I'll just say um, I think what makes him special is that lack of concern from the larger like corporate editorial overlords and because of that it has given so many great writers and artists the room to tell really interesting stories with that character and there are certainly you know great superhero comic stories uh, throughout the history of the medium. But I think Daredevil is special because it has given space to a lot of very uh, artistically gifted people to just tell an incredible story. So that's my thought. 
Thank you. I like it. I like it. Um, I love Daredevil because I agree with Brian. I think that he's been consistently well-written and I think the exploration of some of the themes of his stories are, are more relatable to like a, like a common person. Um, he's just a layered guy. It's just a complicated dude. And I, I like that about him. Yeah. Yeah. I won't go too far into it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love daredevil because I think he hurts in very similar ways that real people hurt. But he doesn't, for the most part, close himself off to friendship. Like, this man has friends, right? He has a very close friendship with Foggy Nelson and with, you know, uh, uh, other heroes as well. He doesn't close himself off to friendship, true friendship, true, uh, uh, you know, vulnerability. Um, He's not afraid to love. Like, actually love, not selfishly love, but he's not afraid to actually love. He doesn't, he's not afraid to call himself out. Maybe he calls himself out a little bit too much with his guilt and with his shame. I think, although he is kind of a moody and depressing character at times, it is something to aspire to, in a way. Knowing that, like, just like Daredevil isn't maybe Marvel's most popular character or Marvel's favorite, you know, character. Maybe we as human beings aren't the universe's favorite character, but we're doing the best with what we got. And so I think there are lessons to learn from Daredevil that, uh, you know, maybe can't be learned from baby boy Spidey, you know? I don't know. I like Daredevil. I'm glad we all do. Well said. That was good. Well said. Yeah, that was very good. I was trying to be quiet for your your clip for TikTok. But that was very good. <laughs> a clean edit point. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I can edit it. We're all on different audio tracks, so I can always, Fair you know, you know. Um, if you just outright laugh during my monologue, you're like, ha, what? Um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on this episode, talking uh, to me about Daredevil. I I'm so glad I had you both specifically for this episode. Um, because you guys know so much, you add so much. Um, like I said before, back in the 2000s, when I was reading Marvel.comics on Marvel.com, uh, reading <laughs> comics for free and, you know, teaching some of my friends about X-Men and whatnot, but like they weren't reading comics like I was um, or into it in that same way. Um, I never thought like 23 years later that like I'd be here making friends in other states, uh, talking about things on a weekly basis uh, about the things that I love and like sharing this love with others. So uh, thank you so much for for being on the show uh, with me here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's always a blast. Always a good time. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, before we get going, um, Maggie, where can people find you online? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Oh man, um, I'm coming off a big summer of toy shows for for toy vomit, so we're actually we're settling in, okay, yeah. for the fall. But you can find <laughs> me on uh, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I'm not on Twitter anymore. 
everything vegan super kick. If you look up vegan super, super kick, I'm on there. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely worth worth uh worth following for anyone out there watching and or listening. Thanks. Brian, where can people find you online? What do you got coming up? Uh you can find me on TikTok at Captain Comic Rex, like recommendations, not like the dinosaur. Uh and actually I, I have a TikTok that I'll be posting next week about Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil and kind of the themes that, that, that I thought were interesting now it's reached its end. So if you enjoyed this conversation today, you can go check that out. Um, as always, support your local public schools, go to those school board meetings, go to your meetings for the libraries. I've been saying this for, I feel like a year now, and it's actually depressing that I have to keep saying this, but like fascists are trying to ban books, specifically graphic novels and manga from the classrooms and libraries. Uh, and these people don't know what they're talking about. Um, so make sure you go there and stand up for those books and the right for kids to get the opportunity to read those books, uh, that we all deserve. So, and I will also say that, uh, these two individuals, Maggie and Dimitri, that I'm on this call with, are two of my favorite people on TikTok. Uh, and sometimes when you get on the comic side of stuff, you find some people you're like, oh boy, I don't want to listen to this person talk. And these two are an oasis in a desert of bad opinions uh, that I sometimes encounter. So I'm always happy to see them across my feed. And if you don't follow them, you should. Yeah. Thank um, you. You guys, are, you guys are great. You guys are... Uh, uh, positive and you build upon um, things. And I think like building each other up and building the, the comp community up is like super important. And like some people like to tear things down because it gets more views, you know, tearing things down. It's fun to see like a building demolished. Right. But like, it's more worthwhile and more fulfilling to build a building, you know? And Hell so yeah, that's kind of, kind of what we do here. And that's the type of people that I like to bring on um the show and when you guys stop being those positive awesome people then we'll have a talk <laughs> and you know maybe we maybe we won't go further than that but you'll show up continue. to our house dressed as daredevil and be like we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> continue being awesome continue uh, uh uh being builders as opposed to demolishers you know um oh yeah thank you guys so much um for anyone out there watching, you are watching us live on twitch.tv slash show or youtube.com slash show. If you're listening to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, Google Pod, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, I think, went down recently. So no more Stitcher. But uh, we are also on social media platforms, pretty much anything, at The Keeg Show. TikTok and Instagram are our two biggest ones, at The Keeg Show. But we're also on Facebook, which has been weirdly picking up recently because i've been posting reels to facebook and i get random people um including just a comment that i wanted to read out that i will do a video on that i took a snapshot the comic or the comment that somebody wrote on facebook was these comics will never ever be worth what they cost the drawings are awful these will never be worth what the first incredible hulk or the first superman comics are um that was from True. eric <laughs> eric galleon out there on uh, on facebook I don't know who you are. He's but your, opi your opinion is your own. And uh, thank you so much for, yeah, I guess, you know, commenting on that. Um, nothing will ever be what it was like when we were kids. And that's okay. You know? <laughs> um, 
Either way, uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Keeg Show. Find a subscription tier that works for you if you'd like to give back to the show. Uh, we got some big moves uh, coming up, some things that I'm trying to work on. And then um, the strikes are happening right now. So definitely do what you can to support WGA and SAG after strikes. Uh, we stand in solidarity with them um, and what they are fighting for, which is uh, uh, very important, especially to the future. That's pretty much it. That's it. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Brian, uh, so much for coming on. Thank you to the people out there for watching. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been the Key Talks Daredevil. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.